0: So there's a story that says that King David woke up every night at midnight and he would look up into his he- to the heaven and pray and he would say, you know what? God in heaven, I have one request. I want to hear the heartfelt prayers of the people. I want to hear the prayers of all the people in the world. So the Creator would take King David up to a very high place where he could hear all the cries of the people in the world and King David would stand there, listening to all those prayers and all those cries, and that's when he wrote the Book of Psalms. And you know, most people think that a righteous person, a holy person, is someone who carefully observes all the laws and does righteous things, but if he doesn't hear other people crying, maybe most of him is holy, but his ears, definitely not. The truth is that the greatness of a person is in hearing, the deepest holiness of a person is that when you can hear somebody cry, even if they're far away. And you know, when we travel, we drive our cars, or in the days that I'm talking about of the Baal Shem Tov, there are horses, wherever we want to go. But for the Baal, Baal Shem it was completely different. It was a different thing. His driver, Alexei, would sit with his back to the horses, facing the Baal Shem Tov, and the horses automatically, as if under the creator's direction, would just take the Baal Shem Tov where he needed to be. So the students often had no idea where they were heading, and sometimes even the Baal Shem Tov himself didn't know where he was going. But he knew that there was a purpose for it. So one Thursday afternoon, the Baal Shem Tov said to his students, bring the carriage, we're going to go away for Shabbat. And so the students knew better than to ask questions. They Harnessed the horses, climbed into the wagon with the balshemtov, and took off with, of course, Alexei facing the balshemtov with his back to the horses. They traveled all night when early Friday morning the horses began to finally slow down. And the students saw a beautiful palace in front of them and thought that that must be where they were going. But the horses passed the palace and stopped a little bit further away in front of a broken down hut. Now, the students are looking at the Baal Shem Tov, waiting for instructions. But the Baal Shem Tov doesn't seem to be certain of what he's doing, he's even a little hesitant, as if he doesn't know what to do next. Suddenly, the door to the hut opens and comes out this huge, fierce, ugly-looking man. His clothes are dirty, his hair is wild and unkept, and oh my God, the look on his face. The students were so afraid. They were sure the man must be a gangster or a thief or maybe even a murderer. So the scary stranger comes up to the wagon and demands in a loud voice, What are you doing here? The Baal Shem Tov answered very quietly, Please sir, could we possibly stay with you for Shabbat? And the guy says, No way, my friend. I know all about your kind. It takes you hours to pray hours to make your your uh, prayers over the wine and the food and hours to take to eat a meal it's gonna be four o'clock in the morning before you're even done and me I take five minutes to pray another minute to make my prayer over the wine and I eat my meal very fast and then I go to bed and so there's no way that you're gonna be I'm not gonna wait for you I'm not gonna wait around for you the Baal Shem Tov says please sir we have nowhere else to go I promise we won't bother you so the man says well he thinks for a minute, and he says, you know what, here's the deal. I'll let you stay, but on one condition. You have to do everything exactly the way I do it, or I'll kick you out, even if it's in the middle of the night. And there's one thing you need to know, right from the start. I really don't like people like you. Suddenly, the man starts insulting the Baal Shem Tov, screaming at him, yelling at him, abusing him with words. And through it all, the Baal Shem Tov, even though he's looking confused, he's just sat on the wagon not saying a word. So when the gangster finally finished his shouting and his cursing, he leads the Baal Shem Tov and his followers into the hut. And the students are looking around and they're disgusted. Everything is dirty. Everything is filthy. There are dishes there that look like they've been there for over a week. And they're like, this is where we're supposed to stay for Shabbat. And they look at the Baal Shem Tov and they're sure that he would say something that he would, you know, say something to this guy or at least walk out. But the Baal Shem Tov doesn't say anything. He sits down silently on a dusty chair. Now, all Shabbat, the Baal Shem Tov is miserable. He can't pray. But because by the time he's finished with one blessing, the guy is already eating his meal. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't make his own special prayers or teach his students or study anything. He couldn't do anything to celebrate the Shabbat. And the rough guy mostly ignored the Baal Shem Tov and his students and he wouldn't speak to them only to order them to hurry up because he didn't want to wait or to heap more abuse and more curses and more disgusting things on them. And the Baal Shem Tov accepted all of it quietly, still not saying anything. The students couldn't understand why the Baal Shem Tov was acting like this. He wasn't saying a word. So after the end of Shabbat on Saturday night, the gangster disappears. The, the students couldn't wait to get out of there, but the Baal Shem Tov again seemed confused as if he wasn't sure why he'd come there in the first place, or what was he supposed to do now? Now remember, he, there's, there's a reason why he was there, it, just, it wasn't for no reason. So he was slowly leading his students back to the carriage when suddenly the door of the palace next door opened and a beautiful young woman started walking towards them. And the students thought she looked like a queen or like one of the four holy mothers with her regal posture and her... She was beautiful. And they noticed the Baal Shem Tov looking at her strangely. The woman came up to the Baal Shem Tov and said, Holy Master, I would like to invite you to share the Feast of King David. So on, on Shabbat, at the end of Shabbat, at the end of Saturday night, there's a fourth meal called the Feast of King David. King David knew that he would pass away on Saturday night. He just didn't know which Saturday night it was. So every Saturday night he would have a party. So the woman says to him, you know what? I want to invite you to this fourth meal. So they go in and inside the table is set with the finest dishes and little candles were burning everywhere. And the students were amazed by the beauty. But the holy Baal Shemtuhv couldn't seem to take his eyes off the woman. Finally, she looks at him and she says, Holy Baal Shem Tov, don't you know who I am? And the Baal Shem Tov answered, I thought I knew. Yes, it is you. You're Feigle, you're the orphan girl who worked in our kitchen many years ago. Why well, you couldn't have been more than nine years old at the time and just look at you now. But I don't understand, That the, the Baal Shem Tov is perplexed. And the woman interrupts him and her eyes Are filled with tears and she says holy master I can't tell you how much it means to me that you recognize me because I really owe you so much I was just a poor orphan all alone in the world until you and your wife took me in you were both so good to me took such good care of me and you're right I helped you and your wife in the kitchen you know I was so happy in your house but then something happened and she goes on to tell the Baal Shem Tov this story. One day, while I was living with you, I got head lice. And your wife had to comb the lice and all the eggs out of my hair. To this day, I don't know if she did it too roughly or if maybe I was just very sensitive. But it was so painful and I started crying. And I said to her, please, please stop. It hurts so much. And your wife answered, not unkindly, she was very kind. Please be still, have some patience. You know this has to be done, I want to get rid of the lice. But I couldn't stop crying. And then I said, then please at least do it more gently. It's too much for me, I can't stand all this pain. But she just kept combing, and you, Holy Baal Shem Tov, you were standing there the whole time watching, and you kept silent. You saw, you heard that I was crying, but you didn't do anything to help me. To comfort me. You never said a single word. Not long after that, I left your house. I wandered around for a while, not knowing where to go or what to do. And then some years later, I met my holy husband. And this is what she's telling him. Then she stops and she's waiting for something. They don't know what she's waiting for. And all of a sudden, the door of the palace swings open and a man walks into the room. And the Baal Shem Tov and all the students are staring at him. They couldn't believe their eyes. This was the host, the ugly, gigantic, disgusting man. He looked so different. If before he had all t- torn and dirty clothes and he acted like a gangster or a thief, now he was wearing a long white robe and light was shining from him. So it was clear to the Baal Shem Tov and his followers that they were in the presence of a very holy man. They watched in awe as this holy man walked up to Feigele to his wife and stood quietly beside her. Holy Baal Shem Tov, I'd like you to meet my husband, she says to them, the head of the 36 righteous people. There's 36 hidden holy people in this world in every generation. And her husband was one of them. And then she goes on to tell the story. And she says, soon after my holy husband and I were married, he said to me, my dearest wife, there is something I have to tell you. I know how much the Holy Baal Shem Tov helped you when you were young, but I just learned that because of you, he has lost his share in the world to come. Because when he stood by silently while you were crying, as his wife combed out your hair, a voice announced in heaven, since the Baal Shem Tov didn't hear this young girl's pain, there is no place for him in the world to come. Holy Baal Shem Tov, I couldn't believe what my husband was saying. It made me so sad. My heart was really broken. I love you so much and I couldn't bear the thought that because of me you should suffer such a terrible punishment. So I begged my husband, "You're so holy. You have such influence above. Please, isn't there something you can do to fix this for the Balshemtov? Can't you get his heaven? Can't you get heaven to restore his portion in the world to come?" So my husband thought for a minute and then he said, "I think maybe there's a way." So of course, you know, Balshemtov, there's one thing in this world that is on the level of the Garden of Eden, of Paradise, and that's Shabbat. It's a taste of the world to come. So my husband said to the heavenly court, you know, except for this one thing that he did, I do admit it's a big one, but even so, the Baal Shem Tov is really a very holy man, probably the holiest man alive. It doesn't seem right to punish him so harshly. So I have an idea, this man says to the heavenly court. Suppose that on one Shabbat, He receives none of the light, none of the enjoyment, none of the joy. If that Shabbat is for him as bitter as a fast day, if he absolutely doesn't feel any happiness, any trace of of the Garden of Eden, could that fulfill his punishment of losing his share in paradise in the world to come. So after much deliberation, the heavenly court agreed this could be enough. But the head of the heavenly court had one question. How exactly would it come about that you would experience, you the Baal Shem Tov, would experience such a Shabbat? So my holy husband says, you know what, just bring him to me for one Shabbat and I'll take care of the rest. So heaven had you come here for one Shabbat and my husband pretended to be this disgusting, dirty man and he interfered with your praying and he prevented you from studying and he cursed you and he mistreated you and he took all of the happiness and joy of Shabbat away from you and kept you from tasting a little bit of Garden of Eden. And here she looks up at her husband and he, sa- and he nodded and he said, you know what, I'm so happy to tell you, the holy Bal Shem Tov, that it was enough to fulfill the decree against you. Your suffering on this Shabbat was enough to fix your soul because now a heavenly voice has come out and said that you now have a place in the world to come. So the truth is, maybe we should all be a little bit worried. I mean, do we hear other people crying? Do we feel the pain of all of people in the world? Are we in danger of losing our share in the world to come because we don't hear each other cry, especially in these days? But you know, we also have a little bit of complaint against the Creator. You know, we say, you tell us to be like you, to act like you. And since you are known as the merciful one, this means we must have utmost compassion not only for each other but for the entire world. So Master of the World, every day when we pray to you, we pour our hearts out to you, we cry out to you from the depths of, from the depths of our pain. We need your help so much but sometimes it's hard for people to see that the help is coming because it's coming so slowly. So if we want to hear the cries of other people, we need to show compassion. We need to show compassion and mercy for each other. Thank you.